One of my favorite Christmas carols, it's Joy to the World. Not because of the actual joy that the melody sparks in me, though that does happen. No, I love Joy to the World because of the scope of its lyrics covering what Christmas meant 2,000 years ago and what it means for us today and also what it will mean when Christmas comes again. Hi, I'm Charles Morris. You're listening to The Great Stories Podcast, and today we're going to do things a little differently. Instead of sharing a full interview with you, I'm returning to one of our classic Christmas specials from 2018. So as you prepare to celebrate the Incarnation, God with us then, God with us now, and God with us in the time to come, eternity, because Christ Jesus didn't just make a one-time visit to this earth. That first Christmas looks forward to the final day when he will come again and make all things new. So now, let's get started with a very special Christmas episode. Hi, I'm Charles Morris, and welcome to our Haven Today Christmas special, when Christmas comes again. I hope you're having a wonderful Christmas Eve. Too often, we get caught up in the presents, the meals, the arguments over Christmas versus Xmas. We miss the point of the season, don't you think? Celebrating Christ's arrival is the point. But did you know that Joy to the World, that classic Christmas carol, is actually about the second coming? Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. That's true now in a sense, but the earth will receive her king at his return, and then he will rule the world with truth and grace. On the line with us from Nashville, Tennessee this Christmas, a friend of mine, Nancy Guthrie. Merry Christmas, and thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much, Charles. It's such a delight to be with you and your listeners here at Christmas. Nancy, at Christmas time, we're looking back to the arrival of Jesus in this world. And many of our songs this season do such a wonderful job reminding us of why he came. But Joy to the World is really a song about the second coming of our Savior, isn't it? I always kind of thought, since we sing that song at Christmas time, that we were singing and celebrating Christ's first coming his first advent. But of course, when we really listen to the words in the song, we realize that we're not really singing and celebrating about when Christ came as a baby into this world that we read about in the Gospels. But instead, Isaac Watts, he he wrote this song focusing on a psalm that really anticipates not Christ's first coming, but his second coming. And when you think of the words, that really becomes very obvious. I mean, it just begins, joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king. And of course, we know that when he came the first time, earth did not receive her king. John writes in his gospel in chapter one of John that he came unto his own and his own received him not They didn't receive him as king. They crucified him as king. So clearly, this song is not celebrating his first coming as king, but it's celebrating when he comes again as king. And then earth will receive her king as the king of heaven comes to earth 
and earth becomes heaven. But I think the part of this song that has come to mean the most to me is where you come to the part of the song and you sing, He comes to make his blessings flow Far as the curse is found Far as the curse is found And you see, when I sing that, I sing it as someone who has felt the impact of the curse on all creation. And really, all of us have. We've all experienced the impact of the curse in one way or another. And we know when Jesus came the first time, he was certainly pushing back on that curse. I mean, that's what his healing ministry was all about as he pushed back on the impact of the curse on all creation. We see it in his crucifixion. It's it's fascinating to me that when we see Jesus there on the cross, he is crowned with a crown of thorns. And if we look back in Genesis chapter three, on the announcement of the impact of the curse on Adam, he says that this ground that used to grow things so easily, now it's going to grow thorns and thistles. And so throughout the Bible, thorns become a visual picture of the curse that has come upon all creation. But there we see Jesus on the cross, on the cross as he became a curse for us. He took the penalty of the curse. Why? So that we might be freed from the penalty of the curse. And so this adds so much more meaning then when at Christmas time we sing and we recognize, no, we're not really singing and celebrating the first Advent. We are anticipating the second Advent because when he comes a second time, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And that means on the day he comes again, the curse is going to be gone for good. This is why we read in Revelation 22, no longer will there be anything accursed. When he comes again, his blessing will flow, and not just in a limited way, but his blessing will flow far as the curse is found. Amen to that, Nancy. Nancy Guthrie, the author of the new book, Even Better Than Eden, and a great women's Bible teacher. Thank you so much for pointing us to Jesus this Christmas season. Thank you so much, Charles. I love getting to be with you and your listeners, and I wish you all a very Merry Christmas. This is Haven Today and a Christmas special called When Christmas Comes Again. You know, when the shepherds were told of Christ's birth in Luke 2, they were told that Christ the Lord had been born. Christmas had come. But already Christmas was more than the birth of Christ. He also was called the Savior. Jesus came into the world to do something, to save us from our sins. But what we're going to see in our time together is that the birth of Jesus at Christmas points us to Easter and ultimately to his second coming. Christmas is the celebration of our Lord's coming. And as we celebrate, we look ahead to his return. It gives us perspective here and now. Christmas is about more than a manger and a baby. It's more than shepherds and magi coming from far and wide to worship the newborn king. Christmas reminds us that our Lord was born to die. In other words, it points us to Easter. 
Jesus wasn't born to live. He was born to die. And that may trouble some of us, but it's true. Remember what he tells his disciples, I came to give my life as a ransom for many. That's why he came into the world. When Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, took Jesus to the temple after he was born, there was an old man there named Simeon. He had been waiting for the arrival of the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Christ. And taking Jesus into his arms, this old man said, My eyes have seen your salvation. This baby was salvation. And Simeon knew it. He had been waiting for the arrival, the appearance, the revelation, and he received it. He saw the little baby Jesus. Isn't it interesting that the Apostle Paul used almost the same language when he spoke about the second coming of Jesus Christ? He said in Galatians 5.5 that for those of us who believe in Jesus, we are eagerly waiting for the hope of righteousness by faith through the Spirit. We are waiting for our hope to arrive. That's Jesus Christ. The Israelites, they were waiting for the arrival of the Messiah as well. Remember that the Lord God had not spoken to his people through a prophet for almost 400 years. They were just waiting. They were hoping that the Lord would come to save them. And Christmas was the answer to their longing. That's why so many celebrated the birth of Jesus. Shepherds were told from on high. The Magi came from miles away. King Herod was even worried because he knew that the birth of the Messiah meant everything would change. And that's why the people of Israel were waiting so earnestly for the birth of this chosen one. Well, that's what we are doing too. We're waiting for the return of our Messiah the second time. We have faith in the Lord's promises, and we are eagerly awaiting a second Christmas. And this is a Haven Today Christmas special called When Christmas Comes Again. That's right, Christmas will come again. Just like the ancient Israelites waited year after year for the arrival of their Messiah, we today are eagerly awaiting the return of our Savior. The difference is that when Jesus comes again, it'll be the last Christmas. Now, I know that Christmas is not a time of celebration for everyone. For a lot of people, Christmas is not the most wonderful time of the year. It may even be the most stressful time of the year. The pressure to get the right gifts, the pressure to just get along, The hope of just getting through the season without another family feud. Maybe you do not have family. Maybe Christmas is your most lonely time of the year. But the Lord knows. He cares. And I want you to know that the hope of second Christmas can bring you joy even in the midst of your life's struggles. The Israelites struggled in exile. They struggled to trust in the Lord. They struggled to find their joy in the Lord. The hope of Christmas strengthened them. Jesus Christ died and rose again, and he's coming back. And knowing that can give you such joy in the here and the now. It tells you and me that even if we have pain that we live with now, emotional, physical, whatever, it will not will not last forever. 
He's coming to change all that. He's coming back. And when he returns, there won't be any more pain. There won't be any more loneliness. This Christmas, may that truth bring you joy that can really change your life. We've been thinking about Christmas these past minutes, the birth of our Lord Jesus. It's a wonderful time of the year, I pray for you, because it's a time to focus on the reality that God came to earth to be with us. Ever thought about that? The Lord who created all came as a man, born just like you and me. It's amazing. And more amazing, he came to earth to save sinners like you and me. We all have a purpose. God has made us in his image. He's given you meaning and purpose, but none of us were born to die for sinners. The Lord came to do that. That's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about Jesus coming to save us. And that's why I love Christmas. And I hope you do as well. It gives us time to slow our lives down and consider our salvation in Christ alone. And it helps us to see what our true hope can be here and now. This is how Hebrews 9.28 says it. As Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are awaiting him. That is our hope. He came for us to die and take away our sins. He rose again and is now in heaven. When he comes back, he'll bring salvation with him, salvation from the presence and power of sin, salvation from our distress and pain that we walk with every day. The Lord has broken into our world. He has broken into our past. His blood has covered all our sin. He has broken into our present. He helps us walk by faith in him. His death and resurrection gives us assurance that our sins are paid in full. And the Lord has also broken into our future. And that's what we are waiting for. That's what we are hoping in. The return of our Savior who will bring salvation. That's what the preacher in Hebrews wants you to know and believe and have your hope in. As you're wrapping your presents, as you're preparing meals, as you sing the carols, as you're doing all the things we all have to do and want to do at Christmas, may you draw deeper into the love of Christ. May you be pointed to the second Christmas. May the reality of Christ's return give you confidence here and now that you can walk with your Lord. You can serve him with joy and celebration. I don't know about you, but that helps me celebrate Christmas even more. For a lot of us, Christmas has become just another cultural event. Many of us go to church, of course, but the focus overall is so commercial. The songs played on secular radio all over, they're just part of a cultural Christmas. And so much of it is all about getting and not giving. But Christmas should be all about giving. And I can't think of a more precious way to give than by opening our homes with hospitality, a time to serve others, even the way our Savior came to serve us, even as our Father gave his Son to us. 
Earlier this year, we spoke with another friend of mine who lives in North Carolina, Rosaria Butterfield. She's written a book on hospitality called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Rosaria, welcome to our Christmas time together here at Haven today. Thank you, Charles. It's just delightful for me to be with you all during this important season. Rosaria, Christmas is often focused on what presents will be waiting for us under the tree. It seems our culture, even among Christians, has it backwards. How can we be more hospitable this Christmas season? That's such a good question. It's so important because, you know, really, the holidays are times where most of the world is pretty depressed. It's a season when the people who are mostly afflicted with abuse or addictions are most afflicted by them. And it's a time of sadness for many people and loneliness. And it often also is a time when people reflect on what they don't have. And I would say it's especially true for our older neighbors, maybe our neighbors that we know have gone through a life change and not a good one. In my neighborhood, I have a wonderful prayer partner. Her name is Donna, and we get together once a week or more than that, and we pray and we talk and we look out for the unloved. And so we do this in two ways. One is we organize a time of Christmas caroling where we especially go to the homes of older people. And so we actually come to them and we bring them good tidings and good joy, and we also try to find out what they need, if they need help with doctor's appointments or groceries. So that's something that my neighbor and I put together, and we'll put it out on the Nextdoor app, and we'll get at least 20 neighbors helping us with this. And we'll start with prayer, and we'll end with potluck over at either my house or Donna's. And every year, it's a really special time, and we get to know the neighbors that are the easiest to overlook. Another thing that my family and I have been doing for at least the last 10 years is opening our home on the 25th. That is a lonely day for many people. And there's so many things that happen just before Christmas. There's office parties. There are events. There's the Nutcracker. There's school plays. And then on the 25th of December, it's like a ghost town. And so we have a big meal. We invite everyone. We do not exchange gifts, not even with our family. We really see this as a time to share with others what the Lord has done for us. We have prisoners who are given a five-hour pass for the day and who occasionally have the chance to worship with us as well. And we have done this now for a decade, and it's just a very special time. We spend the day together. We'll end it with dog walks and board games and a day that, again, often is a reflection of what you don't have for many, many people, can be something else. Now, it's been really helpful for us as a family, though, to be intentional about this. And what's really exciting is that after 10 years of this, even our kids are on board with this. So that's one of the ways that we try to think about being intentionally hospitable during the Christmas holidays. So how does hospitality point us to Jesus and his second advent? One is to remember that Jesus was always both host and guest. And so hospitality should never be about showing off or showing people what you have 
That doesn't mean that you can't set a beautiful table. If, if God has equipped you to do that, then, then do that. That doesn't mean you, you shouldn't decorate. If God's equipped you to do that, I'm actually not a decorator. I just tell people I vacuum, I don't decorate. To recognize the importance of seeing that time as an ideal time to reach out to strangers, to seek them out, either through safe family or prison ministry, to carve out time in that frenzy of a season to seek out strangers and welcome them as neighbors and then watch neighbors by God's grace become part of the family of God. I think that is the heart of the work that Jesus came to earth to do. Well, Rosaria Butterfield, thank you so much for joining me here at Christmas time. Thank you very much, Charles. Lord, blessings to you during this important season. Haven Today, and a Christmas special called When Christmas Comes Again. Unto us a child is born. That's Isaiah 9-6 and how it opens. It's a classic Christmas text. Isaiah, writing hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, foresaw the birth of a child would save his people from their sin. Unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. That is Christmas. But listen to the rest of the passage, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the goodness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. What a promise, isn't it? It's why Christmas is such a special time, remembering the promises about Christ from long ago. But I don't think Isaiah was thinking about just the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. I think he was also thinking about the final climatic return of Jesus Christ. Notice first that he says in the Messiah's kingdom, peace will know no end. Well, we look around today, school shootings at a record high, injustice all over the world. We know Jesus is reigning, though. In Matthew 28, 18, he told his disciples plainly, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to be. Right now we don't see much peace, but Isaiah promises that peace will know no end under the reign of the coming Son of God. He was seeing the very end. He was seeing the return of Christ, not just his first coming. Isaiah says this promised Son, this Prince of Peace will establish his kingdom forever and ever. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, do you know what he said? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was talking about the kingdom of the new creation. That's what he came to establish. That's what it means to establish his kingdom in peace, righteousness, and justice. That's not what we see and live with right now. But we know Christ Jesus is coming back. And this classic Christmas promise in Isaiah 9 points us to the second and final Christmas, the return 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. We just looked at a classic promise from the prophet Isaiah, a promise of Christmas, but a promise that looked beyond the first Christmas to his return. The prophets looked ahead to the birth of a savior, but you know what's interesting? The last book of the Bible, the Revelation, talks about the end of the world in the very same way. Here's the story John tells in Revelation 12 and 13. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter, and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. Now that packed a lot that I just shared. Revelation is one of those books that just invites us to speculate, right? What are the seven heads, those ten horns? Some of us love to get deep into the details, but let us not miss the forest for the trees. John is receiving a vision of the end of the world, and one of the ways he describes that story is what we just heard, the birth of a son snatched up to the throne in heaven. That's talking about Jesus and his triumph over death and his ascension into heaven. The birth of Jesus was all about the ultimate coming of his salvation and power. It was all about his kingdom and the new creation. That's how John in Revelation sees the birth of Jesus. He understood it as the end of the age, this age. And why does that matter? Well, it reminds us again that our life isn't just about doing whatever we can in this life and then all is over. You only live once is what we hear too often. It's used to say, do whatever you want in this world because you only get one chance. Well, that's just not true. If you know Jesus, you belong to a kingdom that never ends. If you know Jesus, you'll never die. So instead of pursuing as much pleasure in the world as you can find, knowing Jesus helps us live this life with a focus on his glory. That's what Christmas is all about. It's all about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, not just the first time to save us from our bondage to sin, but it's about the coming again of our Lord Jesus the second time to save us from the presence of evil forever. He's coming back to start the world over, to start the world anew, to make all things new. And if we know him, that's the kingdom we belong to even now. That's what we can celebrate here and now in the midst of this Christmas season. Christmas time can be hard, can't it? There is so much pressure to perform pressure to have everything go well, maybe the perfect gift for the kids, or maybe for a spouse, 
maybe some other loved one, or even a friend, to make the perfect meal, to have the perfect night with a family, a night without arguing or passive aggression. But maybe you've experienced this too. No matter how hard we try, things can still go wrong. Isn't that true? The ham or turkey can be overcooked. We could burn the pies. Our spouse might not like the present we picked out just for them, or maybe kids might be upset that they didn't receive the same kind of gift that a friend received. Well, I've experienced all of this as well. It can make the Christmas season so burdensome rather than a time of celebration. But that's why we're looking at the real meaning of Christmas on this Christmas special called When Christmas Comes Again. When we think that Christmas is all about us, we'll treat it as a burden. If Christmas is just an opportunity to make things right or a time to impress family and friends, we're missing the point. But even if we think Christmas is all about remembering the birth of Jesus, I think we miss the point. Christmas should remind you and me that our faith has historical roots. Jesus was really born in Bethlehem. He really did live and die. He really did rise from the dead. And he really is coming back again. And that's what Christmas should point us to. That's what Paul was getting at in Romans 8. As he was celebrating the significance of Jesus in our lives, he said no one can bring a charge against God's people because who is it that can judge? Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. That is our hope. Jesus Christ, our Savior, he really is coming back again. And when he does, it'll be Christmas all over celebrating our Lord, worshiping in his presence forever. Joy to the world, a song that is not a statement of what the Lord has done in the past. It's a song that expresses our hope in the coming of Christ in the future. It was written about the second coming, but we sing it at Christmas time. It is a reminder that Christmas is about more than presents. It is a reminder that Christmas is about the end of the world, the return of our Lord. When he comes back, he makes all things new. Then we will sing joy to the world. Our Savior reigns. He reigns now, yes. But when he comes again, there won't be sin left. We won't be suffering anymore. When he comes again, the whole earth will be full of peace and love and goodness. And that is our future to come. If you know Jesus Christ, you can be waiting for the second Christmas. When Christmas comes again, we'll be in God's presence forever and with him forever. And it's all because of the first Christmas. Jesus was born to die for us. He rose again and is coming back for us. That's what Christmas is all about. So this Christmas, instead of focusing on the ups and downs of the season, instead of getting caught up in the materialism of sales and deals and gifts, get caught up in worship. Get caught up with your Lord and look forward to his return. That's what Christmas is really all about.
I hope your faith has been strengthened. Mine has these past few minutes. I hope you're challenged and encouraged this Christmas to trust more and even yet more in your Lord, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who's coming back to save you and me. I'm Charles Morris, and a special thanks to our guests today, as well as to our writing and production team who helped to make this program come alive. When you have time, we'd love to hear from you. You can visit us online at our website, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Or we'd like to hear from you by calling us at 800-654-2836, 800-654-2836. And now, may you have a merry, merry Christmas as we all eagerly anticipate when Christmas comes again. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Great Stories with Charles Morris. I hope this has helped you keep Christ at the forefront of your heart this Christmas season. And now if you want to hear more content like this, why don't you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please help us get the word out. Give us a five-star review. You can also go to haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover additional episodes posted on the blog. And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris. Charles Morris.